0: Hello, hello. I want to thank you for joining me on this very first episode of Wheatley Peter's Patrons, Us. My name is Rain Kingsbury, and I have to admit, I knew nothing to fill Wheatley Peter's existence until American let Survey class I took the fall semester of my junior year. We learned from most well-known poem on being brought from Africa to America. We then moved on and didn't talk about Wheatley Peter's for the rest of the semester. <laughs> At least that's how I remembered. The last bit of twenty twenty. <sighs> Anywho, fast forward to spring twenty twenty one in American women's writing and popular culture where I once again encountered Willie Peters and we were asked well, required to delve into her work once more. With the poetry of Honore Fanon Jeffers, Lily Peters became a voice I wanted to decipher, understand and appreciate. To make a long story shorter, this journey that has inspired me to create a podcast focused on Wheatley Peters in some form or fashion, so that means I'll be talking about Jeffers too. Yay! It's one of the best ways I can think of to honor and support Wheatley Peters' work, by being a patron of sorts. And with this first episode, I want to discuss Wheatley Peters' first poem in her collection that calls upon the most esteemed and highly valued patron, Tumasinus. Messinus Miss, I'm not going to butcher her any further, so now I will go ahead and read that very first poem to Messinus. and just a quick disclaimer, please excuse any of my mispronunciations of this man's name, <laughs> to Messinus. Messinus, you beneath the myrtle shade, Read over what poets sung and shepherds played. What felt those poets, but you feel the same. Does not your soul possess the sacred flame? Their noble strains your equal genius shares, in softer language and diviner airs. While Homer paints low, circumfused in air, celestial gods and mortal forms appear. Swift as they move, here each recess rebound. Heaven quakes, earth trembles, and the shores resound. Great sire of verse, before my mortal eyes, the lightnings blaze across the vaulted skies, and as the thunder shakes the heavenly plains, a deep-felt horror thrills through all my veins. When gentler strains demand thy graceful song, the lengthening line moves languishing along. When great Patroclus courts Achilles' aid, the grateful tribute of my tears is paid. Thrown on the shore, he feels the pangs of love. And stern pellets, tenderest passions move; Great moral strain and heavenly numbers flows. The nine inspire and all the bosom glows. Oh, could I rival mine in Virgil's page, Or claim the muses with a month once age. Soon the same beauty should my mind adorn, And the same odors and my soul should burn. Then should my song in bolder notes arise, And all my numbers pleasingly surprise. But here I sit and mourn a groveling mind, I fain would mount and ride upon the wind. Not you, my friend, these plaintive strains become, Not you, whose bosom is the Muses' home. When they from towering Helicon retire, They fan in you the bright immortal fire. But I, less happy, cannot raise the song, The faltering music dies upon my tongue. The happier Terence, all the choir inspired, His soul replenished and his bosom fired, but say, ye muses, why this partial grace To one alone of Africa's sable race, From age to age transmitting thus his name With the first glory of the rolls of fame. Thy virtues, great Messianus, shall be sung In praise of him from whom those virtues sprung. While blooming wreaths around thy temples spread, I'll snatch a laurel from thine honored head While you indulge it smile upon the dead. As long as tame in strings majestic flows or naiads in their oozy beds repose while Phobus reigns above the starry train while bright Aurora purples o'er the main so long great sir the muse thy praise shall sing so long thy praise shall make Parnassus ring then grant Messinus thy paternal rays hear me propitious and defend my lays and every time i read that poem it's just Now, before we get into the analysis, I want to preface that this, let's say, conversation with myself is not scripted for the desire to have the most authentic and genuine tone possible. So please excuse any pauses or ums or excessive use of the word like. One is that Masat is the very first poem in her collection's poems. And I have to ask, why is that? My second point, which I'll be addressing a little bit later, is what Messiah represents. I mean, aside from the fact that he was a patron, but what else? And my third and final point that I want to address is how Phyllis Whitley-Peters is creating a parallel between herself and Messiah's patrons, as well as her slave owners slash kidnappers. to that first question, right? Or that first idea, thought, that came to my head. Why is Tumasinus first? There are a variety of reasons and for the sake of this I will keep it to one point or one answer each so I might just come back to Tumasinus for the sake of research. (laughs) But why Tumasinus is first? Considering how, uh, at the time, Phyllis Wheatley Peters, right, she was enslaved, she was bought, she was paid for, and in the 1770s, 1760s, 1770s, in which she is writing and publishing this book of poems, she must be so extremely careful as to what, I mean, she must be careful as to what is the first thing she brings to the reader's attention. Because we are going to assume, and not just assume, believe for a fact that even though Mm -hmm. something Peters might not have been intentionally writing for a white audience, she was writing to a white audience because of the time and who was literate and allowed to be educated and learn how to read and what have you. White people would be the folks who would know how to read and write, and they would read those Wheatley's poetry, which is what they do. (laughs) And so, I'm sure that Wheatley Peters had considered this, had thought of this, which is why, to Messinus, and Messinus is a, uh, what is the word? Patron, huh? He is a patron that um in centuries before Phyllis Sweetly Peters was ever born or thought of, he was a patron to writers like Virgil and Homer, people who Phyllis Sweetly Peters addresses in this in this poem. Now that somewhat addresses our question as to why Messiah would be the first in the poem. It can be viewed as a way of respect to THE, I mean THE, in all caps, bold, italics, underlined, just so you know, THE patron of the arts, but also to other patrons, patrons of Phyllis Wheatley-Peters, such as Susanna Wheatley and John Wheatley, now this is something that I've learned from class, but you can for sure look at this on your own, as to how... Phyllis Wheatley Peters, her her collection of poetry was supported by Susanna Wheatley and John Wheatley, and through the courts of all these white men, she was able to be published. She was given the right to publish this collection. Which, in, my way is, in many ways, is a way to showcase, you know, the support or the love of the arts. Yet, what well, Messianus didn't experience when being a patron of the arts, he didn't have to, well not him, but Homer, or Virgil did not have to experience any type of permission to be granted to be able to publish and showcase their work, unlike Phyllis with Peter's. Now, unless few things I'm going to say and lines that I'm going to reference, they actually answer, or, yeah, I'll say answer, both of the, the other two points about what Masonus represents and how Wavy Peters creates this parallel between these two, between herself and these classical authors and her slave owners, kidnappers, and Masonus. They showcase patronage in entirely different ways. Again, I still need to do my due research, but I can assure you, okay, I cannot assure you, but I'm going to assume that there were no courts or anything like that that Messianus had to, that Messianus used for Homer or Virgil to, um, have their works published, to have their works seen. Now where we look at the third stanza of Phyllis Wigley's poem, Phyllis Wigley's poem, going down into lines 27, and should my song in bolder notes arise, and all my numbers pleasingly surprise. Now what we can assume with this, what I will assume, is that the song her song that she's talking about and all the numbers and notes that are rising and in pleasingly surprise, these are her poems. Her her poems are her songs. They are a type of song. Um, Yet, who's being pleasingly surprised? We can assume that she's talking to the reader. Well, there is no one that she is explicitly addressing here and all my numbers pleasingly surprise it could be you it could be me in terms of what could be what pronoun could be placed there they pleasing pleasingly surprise John Wheatley and Susanna Wheatley and all these other (laughs) and all these other people who are reading those Wheatley Peters work and then we have a Volta here a term, in the situation, an emotion or feeling, in twenty nine where she says, "But here I sit and mourn a grovelling mind that fain would mount and ride upon the wind." There, Phyllis Sweetie Peters sits, and she mourns a grovelling mind. She doesn't explicitly state hurts, but we can implicitly assume. We can assume. We can assume implicitly that the groveling mind is hers. And groveling at what? That people are surprised by her work? That they are surprised by her songs? And then we continue into line 30 where that fame would mount. Fain, I did not look up this word. <laughs> F A I N. That fame would mount. What I can glean in terms of contact clues is that what few would write upon, that few would get on the train to understand or to ask Phyllis what would be about as to why she's having a groveling mind. I mean, why would she be groveling in her mind? Is it because of how she... people were surprised? That people would be surprised in the first place at her intelligence, at her ability to read and write in such a way that is... Being deemed as worthy enough to be published, and yet she has to go through all of these channels, all of these gates to be approved and then finally be published. Now, there's Le, later on in the fifth stanza where she is referencing another poet. Um, a man by the name of terence who as the asterisk in here states he was african by birth she asked the question but say ye muses why this partial grace to one alone on Africa's sable race from age to age transmitting thus his name with the first glory in the rolls of fame she's asking the question of why he receives The grace, and I'm assuming, again, (laughs) I did not do the research, I am probably going to redo this episode, because I want to do this poem justice. But, why this partial grace? Why only this partial recognition to the African race? And to him, nonetheless. And I'm assuming... Like I was going to say originally, that he didn't have to go through certain channels, gates, pathways, that Phyllis Whitley-Peters did. And again, this is an assumption I do not know this for sure, because it's totally possible that Terrence had to, but let's assume that he didn't. Phyllis Whitley-Peters had to go through all this to, with her patrons, quote-quote, to... Have her collection of poems published. So what is Tomb Sinus saying to the public, to uh, those who read this to white people, to slave owners during that time, and just to people now during this time of why those really Peters? wrote and why she places first in her collection of poetry. And I say that it is because she wanted more from her patrons. She wanted more than what they expected of her. She wanted equal footing equitable footing that did not leave her at the mercy of people outside of herself explicitly. Those who were kidnappers and slave owners and people, white people, who thought of themselves as elites and greater than based off of the color of their skin why grant only partial grace to the african race when you can grant it to all i want to say thank you so much for joining me on this very first episode of willie peter's patrons us i can't believe i finished my first episode i will surely be redoing this because i want this to be phenomenal not just for myself but for you and i really hope that this even though it's just a small taste has pushed you to learn more about those weekly peters because i know it has for me and i'm excited to continue embarking on this journey with you guys all right i will talk to you guys soon bye well talk to you soon